Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson. I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of It's Your Season. Life. It is Friday, October 23rd, and I have an amazing guest with us here today, Liz Plaster. She is wonderful. You're going to love her story, and I hope you just love her in general when we're all done. I've known Liz for over 10 years. We initially met um, through, we were trying to figure it out how we met, but uh, through a speaker's association, and, and it just organically grew since then. Uh, just a little bit about Liz's background because I want her to talk and share her experience as well. She is a speaker, a coach, a consultant, and I like to consider her a spiritualist as well, and we're going to hear more about that in this session. She has over 40 years of research and application in human behavior and is president of the Liz Plasters Company, an organizational coaching and consulting firm um, since 1999. As a coach with experience in multiple settings, she understands the specific needs of adults related to leadership, motivation, performance, and accountability. And yes, she is an executive coach, and we do want to hear more about that. She is knowledgeable about brain development, physical and nutritional practices, and how stress impacts performance. She has spearheaded multiple business, or many, I'm going to just say many, business projects, is a project change manager and consultant, has a master's degree in education, is a certified coach. She's a coach out of the box certified. She's also certified in EQI and EQI 360, systems dynamics and organization with the Bert Hellinger Institute of the Netherlands and the Institute for Organizational and Family Dynamics Certification, as well as deep change spiritual intelligence certification. So I'm here to welcome Liz to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Liz. Well, thank you, and, and please add a six-second certification to that in emotional intelligence. That was a, a really wonderful organization where I began to learn more about emotional intelligence. Oh, yeah, def- definitely we'll do that, and we'll add that to the uh, introductory section they can read about um, and links into the podcast as well. So lots of stuff to kind of dig deeper in. So I'm going to just open it up to you, Liz. How would you like to get uh, started on, on how you came, came to where you are today? Well, I think we all have something happen in our lives that um, changes the course of our life forever. And for me, it was the death of my mother when I was 12. And the um, absolutely brokenness that I experienced and the later on the anger and um, just the shutting down of who I was 
uh, in such pain. I, every day when I came home from school, I stayed in my room and read books. My family moved us out to the country, and then every day after school, I went out with the horses, and I uh, became best friends with the horses and rode everywhere, and uh, just spent a lot of time having discussions with them, which they were really good listeners. And what I noticed is that um, I was very shy. I really wasn't uh, doing everything I could do. I mean, I still made good grades in school, but I was reluctant um, in many activities to step out. But as again, as people started asking me to help them and do things, um, I began to want to explore myself. You know, how can I be more effective in communicating with others? Um, how I kept picking up other people's pain and hurt, but how can I do that without letting it come over me and becoming extremely <laughs> sad and depressed like them? And how could I actually do things that made me happy and still um, make money because that eventually was what I had to do. But when I was younger, I just kind of fell into things. People would ask me to do stuff and I would do them. And that included uh, teaching at the University of Oklahoma and running their educational lab. Um, I just was so surprised to be asked. Um, I had two little children at the time. I um, really didn't understand. Um, I mean, that was my first year in graduate school. But they felt like I was very stable and very caring and very knowledgeable, even more than I did myself. And that really gave me some confidence. So I did that for a few years. And then I also taught at numerous junior colleges. And then I stayed home with my family for 15 years and raised my children. And during that time, I went again to look at, you know, my anger. I didn't think that was a healthy um, emotion to have when you're raising your children. And I had to deal with a lot of the issues that came from the death of my mother, having a, um, a stepmother, uh, trying to become who I was. And I began to take classes and to study that. I also um, had a jewelry and accessory business. We bought and sold things. We made things. And that was really creative. And physically, I began to play tennis almost every morning when the kids were at school. And I became really strong and physically healthy, which I think helps your mental health as well. Um, about 10, about, I guess, 14 years into that, um, I we had something happen financially that just pulled the rug out from under me and I realized that um, I'd had a wonderful life playing tennis you know looking at my own self selling jewelry and basically being a mom and a wife and a, a hostess and a businesswoman without having to worry about finances and at that time, I realized that I had to get myself together because I had to help my family. And um, I went back to school. I really wanted to get an MBA, but I shopped five different schools and found out that um, most schools require you to take, I had a, a degree in education, most schools require you to take two years in business before they let you in the business school. 
and um, I just didn't think I had two years. And then I went to the University of uh, St. Thomas, and uh, if I would get a master's degree in education, they would give me credit because I had so much life experience in teaching, doing workshops. I actually did workshops all over Houston, Texas. I did workshops in every church, every school uh, available um, in the area of multicultural education. I also had a puppet ministry with my children and uh, in the church, and then I ended up doing um, puppet, helping other people think about making puppets and doing puppet ministries all over Houston. Um, and well, even at the state level and eventually at um, the national level, I did both multicultural education classes and um, puppet workshops, um, how to use them and how to make them. Um, and then people would ask me and I ended up kind of doing it all over the country. What I didn't really realize was that you could make money doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just did it because I just, it was for the joy of it. But when we had this crisis when I was 40, I realized that I needed to start thinking a little differently. And again, I started doing that. I went back to school and I taught school while I was in my master's program and continued to do all these things. And, you know, I charged a little tiny bit because I couldn't ask for money. And then as things, as I grew, you know, I had people coming after me for work. And I worked for companies. I worked for one nonprofit, and I became the person that um, in charge of all the training of all their uh, people in their organization, which was 16 different uh, sites. And um, and this is because the one little job they gave me, I grew it so big, they decided to give me another. And during that period of time, um, things were going along extremely well, and I was promoted again. And then another horrible thing happened, my um, husband had a stroke. And I had played with uh, his business. Um, I had had my insurance license. And when that happened, I went home to help him and um, got my insurance license again. And I ran his company for a couple of years while he, till he got back on his feet. And he was able to do that. Another organization came after me. This one um, was um, an organization in which they wanted me to be in charge of 22 different schools, early childhood programs. And um, I did that for a while, but it wasn't the best fit for me. So I let that go. And then the University of uh, Texas Health Science came and offered me an opportunity to help build their literacy program, uh, literacy coaching and mentoring program across Texas. And this program eventually went national. What I realized is I, was, I wasn't just good at teaching and training. I was really good at bringing people together to and helping them see what the benefit to them would be if they got involved. So all this time, I was getting all these big jobs, and I kept thinking, you know, I still had those little feelings of, well, you know, how did I get this job? <laughs> I, I'm good, but, you know, I could be better. And so I took classes at the Carl Jung Center. Um, when I went with the University of Texas Health Science Center, I decided I need to get formal coaching. And I became a certified coach with the 
um, in, uh, ICF. Um, I eventually became the president of the ICF chapter in Houston. I wanted to work on my speaking skills because there's a difference between speaking for an hour and speaking all day in a workshop. And I had, um, I loved workshops because I love the interaction. I love people having to think. Um, I also got involved in advocacy in the city of Houston. And then I found that many companies started asking me to come and help them and speak to their staff and to do coaching. So everything kind of just happened because I was just doing what I loved and I worked very, very hard to do it the best that I knew, I knew how and I was constantly learning and getting better. And I just, um, and part of that was, again, had a spiritual component to it because I felt like who am I is really the foundation of how you obtain anything in life is to be clear about who you are you know know yourself and there's one thing about thinking it in your head but part of the coaching uh, growth of the coaching process was to begin to write things down on paper and so I began to write things down and even before this phone call I went and edited it another time because I'm constantly noticing areas in which I could grow more or that I have grown and things that I can do to make myself more effective. I really believe I'm here to raise the consciousness and self-awareness of myself and others to create more empathy, wisdom, and clarity in our personal and professional lives and in the world. So, so I want to step back for just a moment, and then I want to come back to that personal philosophy of yours and what you do and how you continue to build on it and grow. Um, your story, I'm sure, will resonate with a lot of women who have had pivots and things happen to them in their lives or, you know, done what a lot of women do, and that is raise the children and then have to pivot back into a career, and how do you do that? And so um, you mentioned just think differently. You went to business school. Can, can you expand on what, um, I hope this isn't too much, but expand a little bit on the whole think differently piece of when you were doing these pivots, especially the one um, building a business, building your first business, and, and then successive ones after that. Well, again, um, when I left to take care of my husband when he had his stroke, I had to work in the insurance industry. And, um, and I had to take care of all our finances and I had to really get a handle on real life. I think I had managed to you know, have a dad that took care of me and a husband that took care of me. And I think that was right in my face that um, I'm responsible. I am responsible for my life. I'm now responsible for making sure my family's okay for till he gets well or you know until we can work this out so there was just a whole lot of oh my gosh it's in my face and when I came home to help him I and I went over the money I realized that we didn't have enough money even to get through the month and I had no idea and I laid on the floor just prostrate on the floor and I said I will do and I prayed I will do anything that comes my way. And the first thing that happened 
was my friend, my dear friend, offered me an opportunity to clean apartments because she had an apartment cleaning business and she would hire me as one of the people that went out and cleaned apartments. And I went out with her and we went out together and I made enough money in just about two weeks to get us through the month. And I did not complain. I was so grateful to have that amount of money coming in that quickly. I mean, I just was so thankful, thankful, thankful. And at by the end of the month, I had work. I had consulting work. I had his work. I had all kind of work. And, um, and all of it just kind of came. It was just so surprising. And then I had to make choices about that, you know, to me. But when you let it all go, and realize you have absolutely no control of anything, then I believe spirit comes to you. Then the universe responds to you and answers you. But you have to be willing to do anything. You can't go, well, well I'm not going to clean apartments. You know, what am I doing? I got a master's degree. You know, I didn't do that. I just like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I'm so grateful to my friend. That, so there's two things that resonate with this story and that I feel in my heart when you talk about this. One is the importance of gratitude, how, how grateful you were. And if you, want to, if you could speak more to that, the importance of gratitude. But also there's a piece of forgiveness that I'm hearing as well. You actually sent me some questions beforehand, and this one really resonated. I wasn't sure why, but now. So pieces of gratitude and forgiveness, would you, would you kind of dig a little deeper into that? Well, I had been um, really angry uh, because my mother died and because I had a different mother and, you know, she did things differently and because my life wasn't like it was supposed to and it was much harder and I just wasn't, um, I felt like I blamed, I put a lot of blame on other people besides myself and the way that I was feeling. And I took some classes. I took... Um, uh, well, I actually didn't take classes. I went online and um, looked at Byron Katie's um, information and read her book. And then I looked at Radical Forgiveness. And both of those are a way of changing the way you see things. Both of those help you see things differently. And once you start seeing one little thing differently, <laughs> you see a lot of things differently. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of looking at yourself. You know, it wasn't um, it didn't feel very good to look at some of of my own deep-seated feelings and some of my own resentments, but it was the necessary part of the work. When I was laying there on the, the ground and didn't know what was going to come next, it was like letting, letting so much of everything go. I had started that journey, and then it was like there is no other choice. You know, I, I just need to let it go and do what, it, what comes. And that was just a profound moment in my life that um, all the work that I had been doing and all the things that had happened all had come together to make me so open to a spiritual journey as I began to clean those, um, clean those apartments, some of them which had drug pep, uh, paraphernalia in them. Um, I just never saw such filth that some of them, you know, had, and some of them weren't bad, but I just was like, you know, 
cleaning is really good for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, physical labor is good for the soul. I'm making money. I'm helping my family. It's good for the soul. <laughs> it never, ever made me, I never felt less than, you know, any time during that process. And part of that's my friend, you know, my friend I thought so highly of. I mean, she has a cleaning business. Mm -hmm. And that she would even trust me to go out and clean. And I have to say, I never had cleaned. I had always had a maid. So <laughs> it was a really big thing for me. <laughs> Which really was leading right into my next question, but you might have just answered that. What is the gutsiest thing you've ever done? Well, I think that certainly um, one of the things that I learned from all the things that happened is the worst thing that ever happened to me was my mother died. And so... I somehow I got the idea that I needed to challenge myself. I was very, very shy. You know, I went into a hole in depression, but I kept making myself do stuff anyway. My dad had, um, I was daddy's girl, and he had always encouraged me to do things like, you know, riding horses and uh, barrel racing and uh, flying, and he took me flying, and I just had that other part of me that was like, you know, that's, a, that's who I am. I have this other part of me in here, but I'm not doing that. I'm laying around feeling sorry for myself. And let's, let's step out and do something hard. Let's go ahead and do the best we can. Even in high school, when I was so shy, I was the president of lots of different things. And again, I, don't, I was thinking about that. I don't even know how that happened. Because I'm sure somebody else had to put me up and suggested that. But then when it, the opportunity came, I did take it. Um, I went to Colorado and worked at the YMCA of the Rockies when I was 18 for a summer. I ran out of money because you only made $80 for the whole summer plus room and board. And I couldn't buy my airplane ticket home. And I began to see that coming. So I got a job wrangling horses. And I, sat, I wow. cleaned, bed, and saddled 14 horses um, every day that I wasn't waiting tables. Usually I did it in the morning and waited the tables in the afternoon and took people on trail rides in Estes Park. So that was kind of a really big step out. You know, that's a lot of work to, for one little 18-year-old, but I had had horses at home. I knew how to do it. Um, and it got me out of the hole and I had a, I had a, it, I was able to buy my ticket home. So every time I've had something happen, rather than look at it as like failure to plan my money or failure to do this, I look at it as, you know, what is, is, and let's don't wallow around it. You've already wallowed around a few other things earlier in your life. Let's just move forward and take care of the things and accept it. You don't know how that's going to change what you do. But, you know, having to discipline to get up early in the morning and go do the horses and then work in the afternoon and wait tables. And then I still um, a few times got to do some other fun things with hiking and, uh, you know, riding, trail riding myself. It was just a wonderful summer. I have absolutely no, again, no uh, negative feelings about the work that I did. It was just a fabulous uh, growth experience for me in a beautiful place. 
not too far from here. Um, well, my place anyway. <laughs> so, I know you have a wonderful place. <laughs> oh, it was just it was such it was great to be able to be in a Rocky Mountain National Park and near the YMCA and, and actually see the stables where you that where you work that brought that brings extra meaning right, to some that rural stables. You, you and I had to you and I had together. Um, so I do want to continue to talk about your business. Um, so now you you've progressed. You the, you you, uh, continue, you continue with your masters. You have multiple multiple certifications, and thinking about what you offer your clients now. What is one thing that your offerings um, that you do for your clients uh, do for your clients that you really maybe didn't expect? Because you're a coach, you're a speaker, you're a consultant, you do have group, you work with groups and individuals. Maybe one is, what is something that is a benefit that you didn't expect? Well, what I think I offer them is I ask that I am a deep listener. I listen to them in a way they might not ever have been listened to. And I listen to them not with the words they say, but also with feelings that I can actually feel with the tone of their voice. Um, whether I'm on the phone, which actually is quite powerful in coaching, um, you have to listen even deeper to pick up all everything. And when I listen like that, I'm able to ask them deeper, more challenging questions. Because as a coach, your job is not to tell people what to do. Your job is to ask questions that help them come to the place where they make their own choices. And most people really do know what to do. If you can ask them the right questions, they can bring themselves to that. And the only way that you can do that as a coach is to listen as deeply as possible. And I've had people tell me that it changed their lives, that not only are they a better boss or leader, they're a better father, a better husband, a better wife, a better friend, a better person in the world. Because they totally changed and made a shift into how they see themselves and others. And another big part of that is everybody is struggling. And when people say things that on the surface appear hurtful, it's really about them, not you. And if you could receive that as not about you, as about them, and ask questions from that place, then that really alters how you think about things too. And it alters the energy in the conversation. If you've had a conversation with someone and they say something to you that seems hurtful and rather than respond back in anger or hurt, you can say, my goodness, I'm kind of surprised you said that. Tell me more about why you're feeling that way. And you don't have anything behind it, any negative energy behind it. Think about how the conversation might go. Wow, that, that was incredibly powerful Liz thank you for sharing that just if, if our listeners leave with a wonderful story but this wonderful way to pivot and think um, about what someone is saying and how they're saying and what that means and how to respond that's just that's just huge thank you so much um, well that is the I, foundation of emotional intelligence it is really the 
the ability to know yourself and then to understand and know and respond to others. Empathy, delayed gratification. All of those kinds of things are really important to in your own personal growth to make you more effective in whatever role you have. Teaching, that's really important too. Um, I've uh, worked with many um, principals and assistant principals and teachers. And once you change your thinking, you change your life. It's really true. And mm -hmm. I, it sounds trite, but uh, it it's, can be done. I worked at Rice University. I was a coach for the executive MBA program. And we talked a lot about changing your thinking. A required reading at Rice University is Mindset by Carol Dweeve. And that helps people understand more if they have a fixed mindset or a more flexible mindset. Um, there are just many things you can do to explore yourself and, and, and really look to, um, is there something holding me back? Am I indoctrinated into believing that or do, is that really in alignment with what I think? And then I think the most important thing is I want my actions to align with my intentions. I don't want to do something that's out of alignment with the kind of person that I am. And keeping a check on yourself like that is very important too. And when you mess up, which everybody does, you know, having the ability to be humble enough to go and try to correct that or fix that, um, especially in your relationships with other people. So your words of, of intention really brings us to um, to your own personal philosophy, and it, it and I I get a sense, and I know we talked about this right before this interview that um, you know you do continue to expand yourself and think about who you are and you know what that means in regards to a passion and then your work and uh, so tell us your so living with spirit and intention is your personal philosophy. How did you get to that? Well, I really did all the, the kind of work, laying on the floor, crying, going to classes. And what I realized is the alignment of your spirit with your actions, that congruency that you create in your life through that is very uh, powerful and very comforting. You don't ever have to think about what you said because you've always said the truth. And um, when I was younger, I was I said the truth, but I didn't do it in a way that people could always hear me. So learning how to say the truth in a way that is, that is understandable to other people that isn't abrasive is another skill that's part of that. And having spirit is, I like to have fun. I'm very creative. Um, I like to, I'm a happy person. Um, why go through life without this joy when you're doing all these things? It doesn't have to be a heavy task to align your actions and your intentions. It can be joyful, you know. And there I go again, you know. <laughs> I had to say that. <laughs> but how did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, what have I done lately that's helpful? You know, uh, if, I'm, if I believe in giving and doing things uh, for others, what have I been doing lately, you know? Um, 
it's just part of the whole idea of there's a lot of different aspects. Um, if I've said I'm going to be thoughtful, if I said I'm going to be uh, put aside time to be creative so I can share my artistic or my writing talents, did I do that? You know, and you know, it's, it's not always, yes, it's like, well, that was about six months ago. What have I done lately? And then again, what is the balance? You know, I have um, met someone very late in life, which I will say that uh, dating over uh, 60 is the ultimate life course in personal development. <laughs> and I, it really is. And I have met somebody that is my best friend, my just um, my partner, my everything. And that has been distracting, but delightful. And am I gonna get? Am I gonna get that up? No. <laughs> it's also part of the journey I never expected, um, because I, I did get a late in life divorce, and um, I, I, have, I was married for forty-seven years, and it was the ho most horrible thing that I ever. Another horrible thing I went through, but one of the things I had to do was to be okay alone. I never expected to meet anybody, and I worked again um, on my own spiritual and personal growth to be okay alone. I'm okay alone. I don't have to have anybody if I choose to have him in my life, but I'm okay alone. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I, I did want to ask you, you know, what is bringing you joy in your life? And... And, and certainly having a partner um, and, and traveling and doing and having someone with you is, is just is, seems to kind of fill that spot as well, but you're, you're comfortable being alone. I, I'm looking at your personal philosophy again, literally on a sheet of paper in front of me. And, and if you're comfortable, I'd like to read, read something because I'm hearing, and, and I know this as a coach that as well, that, you know, we do having conversations with yourself and understanding who you are, but getting it on paper and reading it is, is invaluable. So if, if I have your blessing, I want to read the part that says today, this moment. And I think maybe that will help our listeners also understand what we're really talking about of, are you, are you doing, are you who you say you are? And if you're okay, I want to read this part that says today, this moment with these questions. So, is that okay, Liz? Sure, go okay. ahead. All right. Um, because whatever your intention is, living with spirit and intention, and you have eight areas for your own personal philosophy, but in understanding, taking a moment, today this moment, is the choice I'm making in line with my attention? Is it congruent with who I say I am? Are my actions and values aligned? And am I spiritually present? And I love those four questions because... We think about sitting back and taking 10 seconds and pause. So, you know, what comes out of our mouth isn't as ugly as we think it's going to be. But those are such wonderful, deep questions just to be able to take pause and reset your compass for a little bit, for lack of a better way of saying that. Well, and I think being spiritually present when you're asking those questions is really essential. Mm -hmm. And uh, grounding yourself. Um, taking time to breathe, being mindful. Have, you have to be there to make those kind of choices when they're hard. You have to be 
present. And um, that's why that part is in there. None of that, you can say a lot of things and have a lot of conversations, but being, feeling it in your body, you know in your body when you're making good choices. Mm -hmm. You know in your body when you're in alignment. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly I still have challenges, but I, I really do try. Um, I really do try. And you know, something that's popped up here was, I don't think I said enough about how much I loved being a mom and being with my children. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of things when they were at school, but mm -hmm. I, it, being a mom was one of the most joyful times in my life. And I just have such wonderful children and I'm so grateful for them. And they seem to be responsible and self-aware. So that, that gives me two questions I do want to ask. Um, what, um, if you could turn back time and talk to that 18-year-old that's, you know, in the Rocky Mountains wrangling horses, what would, you, what would you tell Liz at 18? It's all going to be okay. You're going to, whatever comes your way, you're going to be able to get through this. And, you know, you got through the death of your mother. That What else could there be? And I have to say, when my father passed away, it was like my last secure rock was gone. And um, it was devastating. And I really had to dig deep to pull up all the things that I've learned. And I actually was physically ill from the loss. Um, I had uh, broken heart syndrome because my heart was literally broken. I loved my dad more than I could ever say. And um, that was really the only other thing that could happen besides my mom. <laughs> but I managed to live through it. And, um, you know, I had my children, my grandchildren. Um, then I had a devastating illness. And I was like, my daughter uh, invited me to go on a cruise to Alaska. And I was like, I'm going to get well enough to do that. And then I started meeting some other women that were, and my divorce was in the middle of all that. So other women that were single and then they wanted me to go to Europe. I said, I'm going to do that. So with baby steps, you know, and all the work that I'd already done, I kept, you know, coming back to, I really... You know, what is my choice in this moment? What is my choice? Do I have any choices? Do I need to let go again? And, mm -hmm. you know, I had to let go because there was nothing I could do them about my father's death. But I could make a choice about how I was going to live the rest of my life. And that is what I did. I wasn't going to lay around on the couch and die. I was going to get up and move. Get up and move, yeah. Get up and move. I would, you know, you have to put one foot forward, even you don't know where you're, where you're going. And then suddenly things start appearing. You know, opportunities start appearing. So what but, are some, you know. Mm -hmm. what, what are some words of wisdom you have for your, your the next generation, your, your grandchildren, their children and you know this is this is kind of a time to leave your verbal legacy as well i think that's what i like about doing these podcasts with uh is that you ha it's also kind of an opportunity to 
to leave something, what, what would be some words of wisdom for the next generation, your own generation, your own family, and then maybe at large as well? Well, I think for me, I have to have the spiritual connection that I have to have, um, know that there's something greater than myself. And I have to know that at the same time, they made me be in charge of me. And I am responsible for my actions, my intentions, for my life. And it's comforting to be able to have conversations and pray. But ultimately, I have to make the choices to live and be the person that I was created to be. There's an exercise in which you pick five words that describe yourself. And that really is a baby step in creating your own philosophy. If you take the time and go through lists of words, and I actually have that exercise, the five words that describe me are creative, caring, connected, conscious, and contributor. And that is a short little thing for me to look at when I'm looking at am I living with spiritual spirit and intention. Are those five words included in whatever choice I'm making? And I would encourage everybody to get clear who, who they are and, and what is their purpose here on earth. And once you have that, the whole world will open up and these opportunities will uh, appear and shine for you. So, so what is and don't turn your nose down at some of these opportunities like cleaning apartments. Cleaning apartments. <laughs> it actually could be or scrubbing floors mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. waiting tables or wrangling horses. It could that could be just as much of a blessing and opportunity is something that looks a little fancier. Mm -hmm. Def definitely, definitely. What is one thing you want to be sure and leave the audience? With, let me backtrack just a moment because I want to make sure we covered everything. Is there anything you want to cover that maybe we didn't cover today? Well, I think the gratitude, the practice of gratitude. I wouldn't. I always stay in bed and um, allow my body to feel gratitude. And sometimes I focus on my family or other things. But there's so many things to be grateful for. And I think having a practice of gratitude is um, a way to start your day. I also think you can choose to be happy. Happiness takes action. And again, that's one of my intentions is to be happy. Are my actions align with that? Am I doing things to, am I um, exercising? Am I practicing gratitude and I'm doing things that help me choose that? Mm -hmm. Am I doing things for other people? If that's part of why you're here, are you doing it? And what is one thing, one uh, thing you would want to be sure and mention for others um, on, on how to stay joyful? I, you know, one thing I, we we've been serious, but there's also this wonderful joyful side to you, and I love your laugh; it's just infectious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I always laugh. So, I, um, well, you know, when you're grateful, it starts making you feel all warm inside. And so when you get out of, by the time you get out of bed, you're happy. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much to laugh and, um, 
And again, when you've changed your mindset, when something bad happens, you don't go, <laughs> you, you know, unless it's really serious, like the loss of a parent, you mm -hmm. begin to see, well, maybe there's something good out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll have to see. <laughs> so if so people... like COVID, like COVID. <laughs> I, always, I always ask others, you know, every once in a while I will post out on Facebook, you know, is, are you letting a good crisis go to waste? You know, this is, <laughs> don't let a good crisis go to waste. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. I mean, what an opportunity. Yeah. So, um, and, who are, and who are you? Who are you in this crisis? I mean, this is a time we really have to think about that. It's, it's, it's a time of introspection, and we're given it. That's just my opinion. But back to you, because I know when people... I agree. Hear, I agree. <laughs> this is a really good time to uh, take another look and see how you're showing up. Yeah. So speaking of showing up, and I'm, I know when people hear this podcast, they're going to want to know how to connect with you. So what are some ways that uh, you want people to find you, connect with you, discover you online? They can otherwise? go to my web website, lizplaster.com. Uh, they can contact me by email, lplaster10 at gmail.com. Um, and we can set up an appointment if they want to talk more. Yeah, I mean, you are an amazing coach and you're a great listener and, um, and, bring, and really help people discover themselves and, and bring them into their own. So it's uh, thanks for sharing on how we can get in contact with you, follow you, maybe even, um, yeah, see, see um work with you with coaching services so and you speak as well i'm not sure how much how much of that as, uh, well i'm not traveling at all now but nobody, yeah. <laughs> um, i don't do as much speaking as i did i um have contributed to three books and that you'll find that on the website oh yes um, we will add that in, well mainly in education what mm -hmm. i'm What's on my list is um, to create more of something about a spiritual journey and some, you know, suggestions of things you might want to explore and ask yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's on my list, um, as well as um, creating some visual art mm -hmm. uh, that might speak to people. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you do, you are continuing to grow and pivot and have more and more expansion and offerings so that's uh yeah thanks so much well liz it was just wonderful uh, to have you join join me today on this podcast you know honestly this i felt like i know you and then i'm like oh gosh i learned things i didn't know and, and i hope our audience does well i hope they received inspiration and motivation to to, to be grateful, to examine their lives, to live with uh, spirit and intention and to continue to grow. And I, I personally look forward to staying connected with you and just see, seeing what's coming next, seeing what's coming next. For sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I have enjoyed the other podcasts that you've done. You really have connected with some fabulous people and each one is so unique and special. It, all your podcasts are it's just a delight. So thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And you're part of it now. So thank you for being part of my community. Well, and, and that, and I want more cooking from you. I want my, <laughs> I want recipe books and cooking classes. That's your, 
You have so many gifts, Lisa. <laughs> I, I so just to wrap this up, though, I do have to tell our guests, Liz, I, Liz, when she came to visit, said, you really need to do cooking classes. And we were kind of playing with that. I kind of poo-pooed that. And then COVID came. And I'm doing video, video cooking classes and still working on that cookbook. But the podcast, I just, it was so opportunity to be able to take this time to reconnect with people that I think are have absolutely amazing lives and and I know they inspire and motivate and and during this time I just thought that was just a well-placed time to start start this interview process so I'm still doing the cooking classes the cookbook hopefully is 2021 it got it got booted off so thank you again for joining me and um and I think that's a wrap namaste the wrap for today we have so enjoyed you being with us i hope you learned something new got some inspiration and you are ready to move forward with your own new season remember we are living life at any age take some time to visit the other social media sites give us some feedback shoot me an email on facebook and remember until then stay safe and keep on living cheers <laughs>